What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to the 81st premium chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, The Order of the Solar Temple episode. As always, we're your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. This week, we are getting grail-pilled. To do this, we'll be tracing the Knights Templar all the way back to the Crusades when the Order was created, and through to the Neo-Templar movement in Europe, which still persists today. Mixed in somehow? New Age thinking, reincarnated Egyptian pharaohs, homeopathy, and the Great White Brotherhood. Our final destination? The Order of the Solar Temple, responsible for dozens of deaths in Switzerland, France, and Canada spanning the 80s and 90s. But how did so many people get convinced to take the ultimate pill? Well, a solar Christ is involved, and lots of dressing up in robes and holding big swords. Part comedy, part horror, part mystery. This is the very real story of an apocalyptic Christian cult with roots ranging back to the Middle Ages. The Knights Templar. To fully understand the order of the solar temple, we must travel back to the early 12th century. At the end of the First Crusade, Godfrey of Bullion established the Kingdom of Jerusalem, one of four crusader states created in the southern Levant. The area comprised roughly modern-day Israel, Palestine, and southern Lebanon. Before this, it had been under the control of the Sunni Muslim Great Seljuk Empire, something unacceptable to the Roman Catholics, who subsequently allied with the Byzantine Empire to invade their lands. Byzantium was more than happy to join them in this endeavor, as the Seljuk Empire had captured Anatolia from them some decades prior. To motivate the populations, elements in the Roman Catholic Church began teaching a new doctrine. If one joined in a holy war and conquered land from Muslims, these slayings and invasions would grant you absolution. That is, total forgiveness of sins. Well, that, that, that sounds like a deal. Pretty, Yeah, pretty good deal. This mobilized massive amounts of the population and led to the First Crusade, which in turn formed the Roman Catholic Crusader states. After this, crowds of Christian pilgrims began traveling south towards the kingdom of Jerusalem. But as they headed down the Jaffa coast, the pilgrims kept getting robbed and slaughtered by an assortment of low XP bandits and Seljuk assassins deployed to intercept them. This grew to be such an issue that in 1119, French knight Hugues de Payen brought it to the attention of King Baldwin II, who had by then succeeded Godfrey of Bullion as the ruler of the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Hugues proposed the formation of a monastic order dedicated to the protection of the Christian pilgrims. The royalty agreed, and King Baldwin II let Hugues set up their HQ on Temple Mount of the Al-Aqsa Mosque within the walls of the royal palace. They believed the mosque had been built atop the ruins of the famed Temple of Solomon, which was never proven. As such, they dubbed the captured structure Solomon's Temple and founded there the, quote, Poor Knights of Christ and the Temple of Solomon. Their emblem depicted two knights riding a single horse. (laughs) <laughs> this was supposed to symbolize their poverty, but I, I think it also shows that they had powerful male friendships. Anyways, the whole poverty thing was mostly bullshit. They were headquartered in the royal palace from the beginning, and soon endorsed by St. Bernard of Clairvaux, a powerful French abbot who helped get them listed as a favored charity in all of Christendom, which was across like multiple different European 
countries at the time. So the fact that they were listed as a favored charity meant cash, land, enterprises, and young noblemen were thrown at them by all the rich people who wanted to participate in the Holy War without, you know, going there themselves. So over the course of the Crusades, which lasted from approximately 1096 to 1271, the Knights Templar became a force to reckon with, even establishing their foothold in the medieval imagination by rocking out in heavy armor with war horses during Crusade Three: Rise of Saladin. Now, uh, this is where uh, all of those boomer memes come from with, like, dudes in all white rocking armor and, like, giant red cross sigils and shit. This is all the video game stuff, too, yes. the Assassin's Creed shit. A lot of it comes from, from this specific uh, iteration of the Knights Templar. They were basically shock troops at the time, like mm. heavy cavalry. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So were, were they deliberately flashy? Like, or is this um, part of the, y'all know? They were protecting Christendom. That demands some flair. That's right. But the Templars were not powerful simply due to their military prowesses. It is estimated up to 90% of the Order's members never even fought. What the Templars became good at was Christian fintech. They developed an early form of banking by establishing a network of outposts, thousands of them, all across Europe and the Holy Land. Some scholars have argued that the Knights Templar were the world's first multinational corporation. But by the mid-12th century, as I mentioned briefly, the Islamic world had found a new champion. Saladin ad-Din Yusuf. He helped unite the Muslim world and turn the tide on Christendom, eventually retaking Palestine and as such Jerusalem in 1187. By this point, the Christian factions had begun bickering among themselves and two other Christian orders, the Teutonic Knights and Knights Hospitaller, were beefing with the Templars. As the Crusades came to a close, support for the Templars waned. Unfortunately for the naysayers, the order had built a robust 200-year-old infrastructure that many used to conduct daily business and keep their wealth safe, like people were using the Templars as a bank. What was worse, the Templars were not subject to any individual government. They came and went as they pleased, crossing country lines, forming a sort of international deep state within Christendom. Mm, globalists. This attracted the attention of King Philip IV of France, who reawakened two-year-old discredited allegations by an ex-Templar and used them to pressure the Pope into taking action against the order. Side note, he was related to the Pope. Philip did this because he owed the Templars a shit ton of money, which he had borrowed from them to fight England in the late 13th century. Now, instead of paying them back, King Philip convinced Pope Clement to issue a papal bull, instructing monarchs to arrest known Templars and seize all of their assets. He inaugurated the arrest warrant on Friday the 13th of October, 1307. It stated that, God is not pleased. We have enemies of the faith in the kingdom. Inside the arrest warrant, it was alleged that Templar admission ceremonies included spitting on the cross, denying Christ, indecent kissing, <laughs> worshipping Baphomet, and of course, promoting homosexuality. I mean, they kind of looked for it with the two guys on the horse You're sigil, right. but you know. Although there was scant evidence of any of these religious offenses, the Templars did get nailed for financial corruption, fraud, and secrecy. Secrecy? This, Come on, what kind of charge geez. is that? This is some Al Capone shit, like yeah. nailing, nailing them on tax fraud. Mm -hmm. What followed was very bad for the Templars. Torture, confessions, hangings. One of the prisoners famously was asked to say, I, Raben de Lefrere, 21 years old, admit that I have spat three times on the cross, but only from my mouth and not from my heart. Well, <laughs> they were like, make the distinction. That's right. Make the distinction. Dozens of Templars ended up burned at the stake in Paris. There was a huge public scandal around the confessions. Eventually, Pope Clement disbanded the order in 1312 at the Council of Vienna through a series of papal bulls. 
In a real low blow, all of the Templar's assets were given to another Christian order, the aforementioned Knights Hospitaller. Unbelievable. In fact, it could be argued that the Templars were the least successful of the orders, as both the Teutonic and Hospitaller Knights were able to create monastic states in Prussia and Rhodes, respectively. So they were actually able to kind of integrate, but gotcha. they, the others got too big. Yeah, it got, got too greedy. The Templar leaders went out in style. Grandmaster Jacques de Molay retracted his torture confession and asked to be tied to fellow leader Geoffroy de Charnay, but facing Notre Dame Cathedral and with both hands bound in prayer. Whatever Jacques said as the flames rose, his words were recorded that day as, God knows who is wrong and has sinned. Soon a calamity will occur to those who have condemned us to death. The Catholic Church has since, quote, restored the Knights Templar to the sacraments and to the unity of their church. Their persecution is now broadly viewed as unjust. But of course, this was not the last word from the Knights Templar. Order of the Solar Temple. In 1956, a Frenchman named Joseph de Mambro joined the ancient and mystic order of the Rosy Cross, or Amorque, which was based on a 17th century movement called Rosicrucianism, a hermetic practice that combined references to the Knights Templar with ideas gleaned from Sufi mysticism and Byzantine culture. Rosicrucianism has been defined by Catholic scholar Carl Edwin Lindgren as a fraternity, quote, built on esoteric truths of the ancient past, concealed from the average man, which seeks to provide, quote, insight into nature, the physical universe, and the spiritual realm. Dimambro, who had been fascinated with the occult his whole life, was a member of the Amorque for 13 years, even becoming the head of a lodge in Nîmes, France, before quitting the order in 1969. The next year, Dimambro bailed on his career in the jewelry and watchmaking industry and became a full-time lecturer in what's now known as the New Age movement. He traveled to Jerusalem, claiming that he would father a child there who would be a prophet. Dimambro claimed to be friends with the head of the Mossad, but often told people that he was forced to flee the country for unnamed reasons, which led him through Egypt and back to Europe without a child. In 1972, he was convicted and briefly jailed for minor fraud in France. By 1973, he founded the Center for the Preparation of the New Age in the city of Anmas. Three years later, he established a communal group in Geneva, Switzerland, which he named La Pyramide, or the Pyramid. Two years after this, he replaced it with the Golden Way Foundation. Now, during this entire period, Joseph's inner circle grew into a proper following. Sect members would later recall in internal documents. Meeting at first in a house, which they called the Pyramid, where every evening was devoted to rituals and meditation, they later moved near Geneva to a large property which was discovered to be an ancient Templar command post. Living in a perfect fraternity where all was equally shared, salaries were put into a common fund, and everyone received in return an equal share. They devoted all their free time to the cause of spirituality. Daily ceremonies quickly became operational at the highest degree, even more so because hermeticists, alchemists, and spiritually elevated people joined in. The masters of the beyond regularly manifested themselves with a presence visible, audible, and olfactory. So we'll get into what they mean uh, by that later. But by the end of the 70s, Dimambro named himself a representative of the Great White Brotherhood. Now, this was a mystical order claiming that certain ascended masters were able to do stuff like communicate with the dead, channel ancient gods, and even communicate telepathically with one another. He claimed to be an incarnation of, among others, Moses and the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten. Now, many of Dimambro's Western esoteric beliefs came directly from Aleister Crowley and early New Age figures like Geraldine Innocente, who wrote in 1952, I had nothing to work with but light and love. 
and many centuries passed before even two life streams applied for membership. One later became Buddha, now Lord of the World, the planetary logos Gotama Buddha, and the other became the Cosmic Christ, Lord Maitreya, now the planetary Buddha. The Brotherhood has grown through these ages and centuries until almost all the offices are held now by those belonging to the evolution of Earth and those who have volunteered to remain among her evolution. Now, keep in mind that she claimed to have been channeling Sanat Kumara, a supposed advanced being serving as Lord or Regent of Earth and humanity at large. So this kind of thing was actually really common in the 70s because a great yearning for spiritual and mystical growth was expressing itself in the Western population. The result was a toxic brew of crusade-era Christian madness and mutated Eastern traditions. You have been listening to a sample of a premium episode of QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on the show, and we'd like to keep it that way. For five bucks a month, you'll get access to this episode, a new one each week, and our entire library of premium episodes. So head on over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thank you. Thanks. I love you. Jake loves you. (laughs) 